Hello, and welcome to Karen's Medical Corner. I'm Karen O'Day. I'm a certified family nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife, owner and operator of Evercare Family Practice in Santa Fe, New Mexico. My specialty is women's health care, family practice, aesthetics, and bioidentical hormone replacement. I'd like to thank everybody for joining me today for the podcast. Today I want to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart and was recently brought to my attention when I was at an event with my friend, and that is alcohol consumption during pregnancy. So we all know that we're told that alcohol consumption may not be safe during pregnancy, yet we still see people who are consuming alcohol during pregnancy. And at this recent event that I was at, I personally did not say anything to the person drinking alcohol, but my friend did and asked, why are you drinking when you're pregnant? And she said, well, my OBGYN said that I could have a drink every day and it would be fine. So whether or not that's true, I have no idea. I mean, I don't doubt the girl's credibility at all. And I have also had other patients who've come to me for prenatal care that have been told that they could drink alcohol during pregnancy and also smoke weed during pregnancy and do other uh things that aren't necessarily safe for pregnancy. And I think that everybody should know and may not know, but that nearly everything that you put into your system goes straight through the placenta to the fetus. Now there are a couple of medications that have very high molecular structure that don't pass through the placenta, but that's very few and far between. So it is always a safe bet to think that anything you're putting into your system may affect your uh, baby. And that should be uh, erring on the side of caution so that people are more careful not putting substances in their system that can be harmful. But today I did want to talk about alcohol consumption during pregnancy because it is and continues to be a huge issue and over the past few years a rising issue in uh, our country as well as uh, to a degree with research studies on a global level. Now there are a lot of studies that have been done regarding alcohol consumption in pregnancy. And if somebody is looking for a reason to drink, they can easily find an Australian study or a Danish study that shows minimal effects of alcohol intake on uh, the fetuses or children up to the age of five. But these studies oftentimes are uh, low population of uh, respondents to the study. They've only examined children to the age of five and are not held with high credibility. In order to find a study that is of high credibility, there needs to be thousands of people studied. And we need to study children from in utero through at least the age of 18 to determine these possible detrimental effects. And there are, in fact, two large studies done in the United States which have been done showing potential detrimental effects of alcohol on the fetus. Um, and we do, uh, uh, one of those studies has well over 5,000 women, so it has been seen to be uh, one of the more reliable studies. Now currently, there are multiple organizations, including the Centers for Disease Control and the Department of Health, that recommend complete abstinence of alcohol 
during pregnancy, meaning that a person should drink no alcohol while they're pregnant because we don't know the full effects. But one of the questions that's often asked is, well, how much alcohol is too much? And that's one of the pitfalls because we really don't know. Well, why don't we know how much alcohol is too much? And that highly depends on the individual. We're all individual people. We don't come out of a cookie cutter. We have different genetic makeup. We have different genetic predispositions and different genetic mutations. So when one person consumes a certain amount of alcohol and has no effect, and another person consumes the same amount and does have detrimental effects, it makes it hard to determine how much is too much. So what affects determining how much is too much. Well, there is an enzyme in our body. There are several effects, but one of them is an enzyme in our body called alcohol dehydrogenase. This enzyme is extremely important in the metabolism of alcohol. In fact, if we didn't have this enzyme, alcohol would poison us and we would die. But this alcohol, the alcohol dehydrogenase is an enzyme that helps us break down alcohol, metabolize it out of our system so we don't die from the, the alcohol, which is in fact a poison. Another factor associated with how we metabolize and how we excrete alcohol is a receptor called CYP450. This receptor is responsible for multiple different things in our body. It's one of our most important receptors. It helps us to attach and use medication. It helps us to um, have avoidance of... Um, over metabolizing or absorbing too much medication, but it also uh, binds to different receptors which can sometimes cause an interaction between certain medications and certain other substances we absorb. But regarding alcohol, there are certain mutations on the CYP450 that if someone has in their system makes it more or less likely for them to have easier absorption or more delayed absorption of alcohol. Now, how would we know that we have these mutations in our systems? Well, people routinely don't know unless they've signed up for a study and their blood is drawn to take a look at these specific mutations that can occur. So this is not something that insurance pays for or that's readily available. This is something that's primarily held for trials. And that can be one of the issues is that people want to know, well, hey, is that me or is I don't have to worry about it. But it's just not those factors. There are multiple other factors as well. Those are just two of the most common. So in one of these larger randomized trials, they asked women, and this was over 5,000 women, if they had consumed alcohol during pregnancy. And 30% of them said that, yes, they had consumed alcohol during pregnancy. And 8% of those that had consumed alcohol during pregnancy said that they had binge drink on at least one occasion during their pregnancy. And of the 30% who said that they did consume alcohol during pregnancy, 50% of them said that they had had alcohol within three months of conception. And that also brings into question or increases their risk of having um, alcohol in their system at the time of conception, which can also um, be a detrimental effect to the fetus uh, as it is forming. And so looking further into these studies that they were, that they've conducted, they asked women how uh, many had been asked if they were consuming alcohol. Now in this study, 
of these thousands and thousands of women, this was actually good. 80% said that they were asked if they consumed alcohol, well, you know, with each, with their visits. And that's a pretty high number. Unfortunately, the 80% that said that they were asked if they consumed alcohol, only 16% of them reported that they were told they should not consume alcohol during pregnancy. That's a huge difference. So that means the providers are doing their job and asking, but they're not counseling them after they determine that they are consuming alcohol. And that's that's very sad because if women sometimes know the detrimental effects or what can happen if they consume alcohol, that might give them more opportunity and enthusiasm to seek help to stop drinking alcohol if it is in fact something that's an issue or if drinking alcohol really isn't an issue would give them incentive and motivation hey I need to not drink when I'm pregnant so I think that part of the problem certainly is on the providers perspective uh, and and the provider must take responsibility for not counseling if they are not and should start counseling right away so anyone listening to this podcast if you are pregnant and your provider asks you if you're drinking and you say yes and then you don't get any response you can always ask them hey I would like education on the uh, consumption of alcohol during pregnancy and they should readily have that information available but we do know that alcohol does have detrimental effects on pregnancy we just don't know how much uh, alcohol it takes and so that's why it's recommended again by multiple organizations to not consume any alcohol while you're pregnant because during several large trials in the United States where they studied infants from in utero until the age of 18 years of age they found severe brain dysfunction they found attention problems lower than normal IQ dysfunction in language dysfunction in memory dysfunction in activity significant behavioral problems and this was found in infants that may have not had any congenital anomalies from drinking that looked normal at birth I mean certainly we know that if somebody's consuming alcohol it increases the risk for congenital anomalies smaller head size premature birth um, as well as um, unfortunately fetal demise or death of a baby inside the uterus and that's a huge risk factor for fetal demise is consuming alcohol and the more alcohol a woman consumes per week the higher the risk factor of fetal death uh, goes up so that is something to really be aware of we know that alcohol freely crosses the placenta so when somebody drinks alcohol it goes readily to the fetus and within two hours of consuming alcohol from the mother consuming alcohol the baby will have the same alcohol level as the mother now fetuses cannot metabolize alcohol like we do outside of the uterus so the metabolism of that alcohol out of the fetus's system is most relied on by the mother's metabolism of the alcohol so again depending on how she's metabolizing the alcohol depends on how fast it's out of the baby's system and if the mother has genetic mutations in either alcohol dehydrogenase or one of the CYP450 receptors 
there's a high probability the fetus will have that too. And that can make it more difficult when the fetus is born, when the baby is born, um, for having alcohol metabolizing issues themselves. So once the woman is aware that there's that she's doing something that could be detrimental to the fetus, you know what can we do to help? And I think that's a huge step. You know, you find out that somebody's consuming alcohol during pregnancy. And then nobody wants to deal with the elephant in the room. Well, the elephant in the room needs to be addressed. It's not fair to the mother. It's not fair to her family. It's not fair to the baby. And it's not fair to society. We can help these people if we'll just address the issue. But a lot of times providers don't have time to, or they feel they don't have time to address these issues. So they just push it under the rug and move on, which is a huge, a huge disservice to our patients. So screening is important, and then providing proper education on what we know can happen if, if, you, if a patient drinks. And then talking about treatment. And treatment can be difficult because a lot of people, and it's very normal, to, to normalize alcohol and to be in denial of an alcohol problem because nobody wants to admit that they have an alcohol disorder. You know, I've never met a single child who ever told me when I asked them, what do you want to be when you grow up? None of them have said to me, I want to be an alcoholic. I've never heard that. And it sneaks up on people. It's cunning. It's baffling. It's conniving. And people will go along drinking socially. And then, boom, the uh, switch is flipped. And now there's an addiction, and once that switch is flipped, there's no going back. Alcoholism is alcoholism, and once somebody has an addictive problem with alcohol, they're always going to have it. It doesn't mean that they can't stop drinking. It just means that a person who is an alcoholic can't drink anymore if they choose to stop. And again, I'm very supportive of people making their own choices. I learned a very long time ago that... I cannot make somebody behave how I would like them to behave. People will make their own choices. People make their own decisions. Sometimes those choices and decisions are good ones. Sometimes those choices and decisions are poor. And that's also individual. What I think is a good decision for somebody, they might feel is a bad decision. But we all know with alcohol, especially in related relation to pregnancy, that it can be a very bad choice for someone who's pregnant to make. So if we can help them, at least through that aspect, they can make their own choices um, on treatment. There's many different choices. There's inpatient, there's uh, online support groups, there's Alcoholics Anonymous, there's individual counseling, there is group counseling. I happen to be a huge fan of Alcoholics Anonymous or AA. And one of the things that I find most um, disappointing in my practice is that people will come in who have no experience with AA at all and they tell me, I don't want to do it, it's a religious organization. And that is the furthest thing from the truth that, uh, that is one of the most misconception, uh, misconceived ideas is that AA is a religious organization. They are not a religious organization. They talk about a higher power, but that higher power could be anything from Mother Nature to uh, anything, a, a best friend to somebody thinking of themselves as their own higher power. I mean, everything, every 
everybody has their their own belief and AA encompasses that they embrace that and AA and Al-Anon are mainly groups that help with supporting each other so that people know they're not alone because when somebody is in the throes of drug addiction or alcohol addiction a lot of times they think it's only happening to them and that is not the case people suffer from that all the time just like when people are in a relationship with somebody who is in the throes of addiction or alcoholism, they feel like they're the only ones. Nobody understands what they're going through in living with somebody who is either an alcoholic or addicted to drugs or both. And that's not true. That's why Al-Anon and AA have been around for so many decades because it is just people supporting each other, people that are there to let other people know their stories and that they're not alone. They don't give advice. They are not political. They don't get involved with anything like that. It's just support. So I, I'm a huge fan, but not everybody uh, wants to do AA, and I get it. But there are multiple different avenues available. In Santa Fe, one of my favorite um, addiction counseling places, and they have intensive outpatient therapy, uh, and they don't just do addiction, they do depression, anxiety, an array of mental health issues. And that's Solutions Addiction Center. They're in Santa Fe and they're in Albuquerque. You can look them up online. They take a variety of insurances and I think that they are very, very good. Their counselors are very, very good. And I would encourage anybody to call them and talk to them if they were having an issue. But there are also other counseling groups other support groups that people may find by looking online that, that happen to work well for them, and I encourage them to do that. Social services also has a wide variety of support that they can give to a woman who is having difficulty with uh, alcohol during pregnancy. And then the provider increasing the number of prenatal visits, seeing a patient more frequently, letting them know that there's support there for them, because oftentimes in our society now there's not a lot of social support and a person needs social support when they're suffering and when they're having problems and especially during pregnancy because their bodies are changing so quickly and hormonal levels are changing so quickly that that social support is very, very important. And so if it's not there, the provider needs to step up and give more attention, make sure that they're giving patients information and helping them get set up with social support services. And then obviously uh, doing early intervention as far as monitoring the fetus for problems. So referring, getting referred to a perinatologist so that early ultrasound can be done. Uh, additional testing if possible because preventing problems is so much easier than fixing them later or detection of early problems so treatment can be started right away. I think that's very important for people and I, one of the main things too and I know I say this a lot in my podcast is for people to not give up hope to just realize you're not alone out there there are just multiple multiple avenues of help out there and there are thousands millions of people who are suffering with the same problems that we have when we think we're all alone so just don't give up ask your healthcare provider Get online, look up support groups, you know, find something that works for you. But alcohol and pregnancy do not go hand in hand. And you have the ability to try to keep your child as healthy as possible by putting healthy nutrients in 
to your system by not putting things in that can cause damaging effects. But knowing what can cause damaging effects is important. And so if somebody's being told they can drink an alcoholic beverage once a day, that is a misnomer completely. That should not be done. And that is a huge disservice to that patient. So if you have any questions, if you have any comments, please don't hesitate to reach out. My Email is evercarefamilypractice at gmail.com. Our website is www.gmail, I'm sorry, www.evercarefamilypractice.com. My office phone number is 505-780-8301. And you can also reach me on any of the social media outlets that put this podcast on. So I wish everybody health and happiness, and thank you for joining the podcast today. I'd like to thank Kathy V and Serena and Gina and Abby and Gabrielle for listening today, and um, I wish everybody continued uh, ability to make all their health care choices for their health care needs. Have a good afternoon. Thank you.